Hello, leaders, and welcome to this episode of the 10-Minute Leader. Today, we have a great special guest. His name is Greg Ryder. If you have ever had the opportunity to connect with Greg Ryder and have a conversation, you can tell he is just this thoughtful leader who approaches the work that he does with intentionality. And I think that really comes through in this conversation. So tune in here. This is part one of my interview with him. You'll find part two in another episode. Hear about some of the things that he learned. For example, the book that his mom gave him that served as an eye-opener and that led to his interest to learn more about leadership. The leadership approach that he has and how he has dealt with expectations of him as a leader and where he really also talks about the challenges that leaders are dealing with and how to navigate those and how you as a leader help even plan the career path of your employees. So definitely enjoy part one here as you tune in and be intentional with your own leadership and learn from Greg in that way. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of The 10-Minute Leader. I am here today with guest Greg Ryder. Now, Greg is the VP of Operations and one of the founders over at BAM Digital, and they support the real estate industry through creating digital solutions. I'll give opportunity for Greg to explain that a little bit further if he wants to. Greg is an entrepreneur. He's a leader. He's a thought leader with over 20 years experience supporting the growth of individuals and organizations. He currently lives out in Vancouver, Canada. Greg, welcome to the show. What did I miss? What do you want to highlight there? Either about BAM Digital, about yourself, whatever comes to mind. Thank you, Ben. Well, I could start with I was born and raised in the Toronto side of Canada and ended up in Vancouver. Just recently recording here today from the Toronto area, being close to okay. family for a little bit right now. But yeah, business got started in Vancouver and that's where I spent a good chunk of my career so far. Nice. And Vancouver is a beautiful city, of course, for anyone who hasn't been there, right near the mountains on the ocean. I mean, it's a great place to live. I've visited there a few times. I guess it just rains all the time. That's the downside. Yes. Yeah, it's a pretty gray winter for sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm excited to chat, Greg, because we had a good conversation in preparation for our time together around leadership and kind of how the current way that the workplace is, how do leaders live their role out, be more effective in that side of things. And I wanted to give a chance for you to kind of talk a little bit about your own experience as a leader, maybe some of the things that you've really learned over the course of your time in a few different types of businesses and a few different types of roles. What have you seen as kind of some of your greatest takeaways that you've experienced? Oh, great question. Well, yeah, I'm happy to be here and chat further with you about this. Definitely a passion. It's evolving. One thing is always it's evolving, but for somebody, my nature is on the quieter side. And it was really important for me to learn how to lead. It all started around the age of 25 for me. When I remember being in Vancouver and all the money I had saved to move out there originally was gone. <laughs> I was sitting, living with my bandmates at the time, broke. My mom sent me a book. It was called The Automatic Millionaire by David Bach. I didn't love the book, but it opened my eyes that I still had so much to learn. And I just dove into the topic of leadership. I started devouring books and really committing to that personal growth mindset, going to conferences, going to book signings, anything I could do to connect with speakers in that world and learn from them. I, I'm passionate about equipping the next generation of leaders of how do you begin your leadership journey? Like, where do you start? So that's a big thing for me. And that and I, I like, yeah, and I, I really like how you talk about the idea of being kind of a naturally quieter person because there's this stereotypical idea of leadership, right? And that leaders need to be this outgoing kind of dynamic, charismatic, I'll say loud, <laughs> not necessarily loud, but you know what I mean, right? Like that kind of a person, that kind of a personality. And yet for yourself, I mean, that wasn't going to be your natural fit, right? So maybe talk to me about that tension a little bit between what people would say a leader should be like, that stereotype, and the approach that you learned that you had to take. 
Yeah, for sure. I think there's a natural, I would say, tendency to think you need to be the loudest one in the room, like, like you mentioned, Ben, the charismatic one in the room. I found when I started to apply lessons, it was more about learning to ask good questions. That was my entry into it. It was being in the room, being in the boardroom, not just taking notes and being there, check the box that I was in attendance, but starting to actively be in those meetings asking clarification questions that the room may also be thinking, getting everybody on the same page. So I understand you guys are looking to achieve this, but what about A, B, or C? And the rest of the room would be like, oh, yes, I'm also wondering that. So learning to speak up and ask good questions was my way into that space. And it didn't take me being at the front of the room to do that. Right. So when you think back to kind of as you started to experience that and go through that mindset shift maybe that you had to develop, like, tell me a little bit about how that went. Like, how did it feel at the beginning kind of being that person that was trying to be that style a little bit more versus some of the people that you did see that were a little bit more of that dominant voice in the room? Like, what was hard for that for you? It was just putting yourself out there for that 10 seconds. I think we build things up in our head so much that, oh, like everyone's looking at me, the spotlight's on me. But that 10 or 15 seconds of asking that question can go into some really good conversation. And then your leaders start to know that you in the room are listening. You are being proactive. You actually care about the results that we're working for. So I went down the path of starting to book coffee meetings, showing up with pen and paper, asking other leaders in the field questions and just listening mm -hmm. and digesting. So getting out of my comfort zone to just learn how to ask good questions right. was a big part of it for sure. Were you meeting with people internal to your organization at that time, or was it people outside of that organization that you were learning from, or kind of what were you doing there? Well, I've volunteered as a blog post author for what today is Daily Hive in Canada, one of the big publications. It was a much smaller operation back then, but I would interview entrepreneurs and ask mm -hmm. them about their business, ask them questions about what led to their successes, what are their challenges. And I just love the topic. I love asking and listening and taking that and starting to figure out how can I apply some of that to myself. When you move into the next stage, I found it's more than asking the leaders of your team, the people and peers on your team, maybe those that are a little bit below you and still growing. And it's the concept of 360 degree leadership. For those of your listeners that know or follow John Maxwell, of course, right. he's the one introduced that theory to me with one of his books, but you can lead from anywhere. And once I realized that, it changed for me. It was a game changer of I can ask my leaders, hey, what's working, what's not? How can I help? And same with your peers. What's working, what's not? What are you frustrated by? And just learning to ask those questions and put yourself in the bigger picture of things, not just your day-to-day, nine-to-five, I did my job, check out, but what's the team challenge here? What are we trying to solve and get better at? And that changed everything for me and my leadership journey at the beginning. Right. I really appreciate that approach too that Maxwell talks about and how you've shared it because it puts a different type of expectation almost on even if you don't have a leadership title, because lots of people don't have leadership titles, right? Or leadership roles as to the impact that you can have, right? Whether it's that software developer that's stereotypical, just kind of sitting in front of their computer and just typing away all day, or if you're in a role that is more people facing, you still can have that opportunity to lead in your organization. So I know I have listeners here that don't necessarily have the title of a leader, but yet that doesn't take that opportunity away. In fact, it just almost magnifies your opportunity to lead. It's a more challenging opportunity, but it's still a great opportunity. What are your thoughts around that? Well, one of the great example is uh, in our company, our leader of our software team is a younger girl and she has grown so much. And she started joining our leadership meetings and I don't know how much value I can add to the group. I'm not much of a leader, but yet she carried herself so well. And leading mm. yourself, as you know, Ben, is one of the hardest things Absolutely. we can do. 
and setting that example. And she shows up so consistent day in and day out, just a great team player. And I tell her, like, you're doing a great job. You're such a great example for your team. If the team emulates you and what you do, like, we're going to be a huge success here. So, yeah, you mm -hmm. don't have to be the loud, noisy one. I spent a decade plus in project management, and I can tell you that good project management is quiet. Mm. If it's not going well in the delivery side or execution side, then everybody knows. The leadership team knows. Everybody who's involved will know that this project's not going well, but good project management is very quiet. Mm. Right. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Again, it just takes away that idea that, hey, I have to be the loud person in the room and the loud person on the team, right? I think a big part of that, and you mentioned earlier, is, yeah, how do you ask questions and how do you listen, right? So often we listen to think about what we want to say, right, next. And I think that quiet leadership changes that. And it's not about listening for what we want to say next. It's really just listening to what the person is saying and really understanding it. What I'm hearing you say is that that's a key skill that leaders need to develop whatever kind of leader they are. Absolutely. And I found showing up prepared allowed you to, you know, with a few questions in mind or knowing what the meeting was going to be about. So you're not thinking about what you're going to say the whole time. <laughs> you're actually right. listening. And that is a big piece coming prepared to those opportunities. We'll call them opportunities where you get a chance to have some say or input. Some of the biggest lessons I've ever learned are from those quiet program right. developers <laughs> just by sitting and listening and asking. Right. Yeah. I want to dig a little bit deeper into kind of what you see as some of the biggest challenges in the leadership world around, especially, I mean, you do a lot of work within kind of the world of tech or your company has some of that. You do a lot of technical things or, or design and tech stuff combined kind of with companies. But what have you seen as some of the things that a lot of leaders are struggling with, whether it's within your own organization or in other organizations beyond learning to be a quiet leader? What else have you seen? Two things come to mind when you say that. And the first thing is objectives and goals. Like that's something we talk a lot about. And right. we have those big ideas of we need the perfect strategy and the perfect plan. Hmm. And that may set the direction. Getting aligned on that may set the direction. But I find it's the evaluation along the way and making time to reflect and the systems and processes underneath of those objectives is what really makes the progress tick. It's that slow progress. But if we're not taking the time to see the forest from the tree, then we're missing out. And I find that's the same in life as well. Right, Ben, you probably know as well. If you're not taking that time, that tree's right in front of you. You can get into the weeds quite quickly, but we got to find that time and schedule that time to step back, see the big picture and yeah. then get back into it. So that's number one that I see is a lot of leaders are realizing that. I think the pandemic played a part in that. People did a lot of self-reflecting. And now I think it's more important that people are making sure they proactively manage that piece of it. Mm. That's the first one. Second one is we're all in Canada. Small business is huge. It's a big part of our economy. It's a big part of what we do. And so the challenge is scaling all the time. You want to hit that next level. Great. And to do that, what I'm seeing, and I've sat on some round tables around this is how do we find the talent to scale? And what type of talent is that? We have a lot of junior talent in the digital side, on the tech side, a lot of junior talent. People want to be in tech. They're taking the boot camps. They're getting the education that they can, but then they need their foot in the door to get that first year or two of experience. But to scale, that mid-level talent is so important. So people with that two, three, four, five years experience where they've seen a few different things and how to run a team, how to run performance reviews how to run growth and right. different ideas and bringing that to the table. And that's where I'm seeing a shortage. Right. So there's some senior level talent out there, 
But now we're dealing with the Amazons, SAPs, Microsofts of the world coming into Canada and setting up offices, paying very high six-figure salaries that the small business can't afford. So I would say number two challenge I'm seeing is that mid-level talent. And how do you acquire enough of it to scale your own company or business? Right. Yeah. And do you think, is it a culture challenge within organizations that relate to that? Or is it just like, are people leaving because they're not really feeling like that's a good fit? They're not being developed. Like where are companies seeing that pain the most? Is it that they just can't attract or they can't keep? That's a great question. Well, to attract comes with a high cost or a higher Mm. cost. We've definitely seen a probably close to 20% leap in what that attraction cost to a company is. But if people understand that, you know, after a year or two, they're moving on. I mean, 15, 20 years ago, we would stay at a company much longer than what we're seeing today. And I think that's just the natural part of people's growth path. So as an employer and as a business, we have to understand who we're bringing in and the path for them. If we can't keep them on their own growth path and their own advancement and understand that, hey, this is their careers. We're here to help equip them and move them forward. They feel that. And so it's important that performance planning and their growth career planning, it's huge now. And if you don't have that, they're going to flush that out pretty quickly in a year or two and probably look for an opportunity out there that has that. Right. I like the approach that I once heard Andy Stanley, who's a leadership guru, does a lot of work on leadership development as well. And he talks about in his organization that he runs, that he recognizes that what he tells his team when they're hired on is, is we recognize that this isn't going to be the only place you're ever going to work but we're going to make this the best place you're ever going to work. And I think that really speaks to the desire to do your best by your people, right? And kind of treat them well, give them that growth plan that you talked about and give them that opportunity to succeed. And yeah, maybe they will go on somewhere else. Probably they will go on somewhere else, but how can you make the opportunity that you have the best that they can for them? They're going to stick around longer anyway. And then when they do leave, you're going to attract that much better people anyway, because they know that the reputation you have is for development and growth of your team. So I like that phrase. I'm not sure if you've ever heard that one before, but no, that's fantastic. And I completely agree. Everything rises and falls on leadership. That's my number one belief. And the second is you're only as good as your team and your team needs to know that, feel that, see that, and they will do that pretty quickly. So yeah, yeah. part of equipping the next generation of leaders too, you have to have that mindset as they come into your organization. And I think they see that and they feel it. Yeah. Thanks for listening to part one of my interview with Greg. Hope you found some really valuable gems in there like I did. Part two is coming out soon or it's out already. So give that a listen to hear the rest of the story.